for joining our latest Cypher Shaw Policy Matters podcast, What to Expect at the National Labor Relations Board in 2021. I'm Ashley Cano, and I'm a partner in the Labor and Employment Group in Cypher's Chicago office. A large part of my practice focuses on traditional labor matters, including counseling employers on the applicability of the National Labor Relations Act to workplace rules and policies, and defending employers against unfair labor practice charges before the National Labor Relations Board. I'm joined today by John Phillips, who's a senior associate in Cypher's Houston office and who also focuses on traditional labor matters. Good morning, Ashley. It's good to be here with you, and I'm excited about today's topic. There's certainly a lot to talk about. You're absolutely right. It's been a very interesting couple of weeks over at the National Labor Relations Board. Do you want to describe a little bit about what's happened recently? Sure, sure. As, as the audience likely knows, the National Labor Relations Board interprets and applies the National Labor Relations Act, or the NLRA, or the Act, as uh, us labor lawyers call it. Um, the, the NLRB has two primary divisions, the, the board itself, which is composed of five members appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate, and then the uh, Office of General Counsel, which investigates alleged unfair labor practice charges and, and prosecutes cases. The, the, the general counsel is also appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. Until recently, the general counsel was Peter Robb, who was appointed to his four-year term by President Trump, and he was set to re- remain in office until his term expired this coming November. Um, minutes after President Biden was sworn into office, his ad- administration issued Mr. Robb an ultimatum, either resign by 5 o'clock p.m. or be terminated. Uh, Mr. Robb didn't resign, and so uh, uh, President Biden's team terminated him later that that evening. That's right, and this caused quite the stir in the traditional labor community. Um, No general counsel has ever been terminated by an incoming president before, and there's a very real question whether the president even has the authority to terminate the uh, general counsel except for cause. And then on top of that, the very next day, uh, the Biden administration terminated the NLRB's deputy general counsel after she declined to resign. And then just a few days later, uh, President Biden designated Peter Sangor, who's been the regional director of the NLRB Chicago District Office since 2011 as acting general counsel of the NLRB. So there's certainly a lot of upheaval at the NLRB right now. Um, In fact, we've already seen a challenge to the Office of General Counsel's ability to prosecute cases at all unless Peter Robb is either reinstated or a new general counsel is confirmed by the Senate. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting issue. You know, many many labor attorneys are reminded of the Noel Canning case that the Supreme Court issued back in 2014. Uh, you know, in, in in that case, the court ruled that President Obama had exceeded his constitutional authority in appointing certain acting board members in 2012. And as a re- result of the case, a number of decisions that the NLRB had issued during the time period were in, invalidated. So it's possible that we'll see a similar issue here. More broadly, what do you think President Biden's uh, approach signals? Honestly, I, I think it signals that he intends to live up to his campaign promise to be the most pro-union president ever. Um, we're already seeing it. And I think we can expect that by the end of the year, the majority of the five members of the NLRB will be Democrats. Um, And just by way of background, right now, the board has four members and one vacancy. Um, Of the four members, three are Republicans and one is a Democrat. And late last week, President Biden named the sole Democrat, Lauren McFerrin, to be the chairman of the NLRB. And although the Senate's going to be pretty busy in the coming weeks and months, I think we can expect that President Biden will move to get another Democratic board member confirmed as soon as he can. Um, So that will bring the balance of board members to three Republicans and two Democrats. And of the Republican members, uh, member William Emanuel's term expires on August 22nd of this year. So President Biden will be in a position to have three Democrats on the board, a majority, by this coming fall. And I think it's reasonable to assume that once the board's majority flips to Democrat, 
the board's approach to interpreting the National Labor Relations Act will be dramatically different than it has been for the past few years. I agree with that. I, I mean, there's there's a number of board decisions issued during the Trump administration that organized labor would like to see overturned. You know, some that uh, immediately jumped to mind are joint and joint employment rules, you know, disciplinary standards, deferral issues, access to employer email systems, uh, confidentiality and investigations, dues checkoff issues, micro-bargaining issues, withdrawal of recognition, access to property. I mean, there's a, a number of, uh, of others that uh, organized labor really would, would like to see go. Yeah, I mean, I think we could really talk for hours about all the decisions that are likely to be revisited. Um, although one area in particular that will be relevant for employers is how the board will define protected concerted activity under Section 7 of the Act. So that section protects both union and non-union employees' rights to engage in concerted activities for the purpose of collective bargaining or mutual aid or protection. And I think we could see two types of changes to the interpretation of employees' Section 7 rights. First, to qualify as protected concerted activity, an employee's conduct has to be both concerted and for the purpose of mutual aid or protection. Um, so in other words, the employee must be engaged in activity that the, um, that's intended to help the group, um, not just him or herself. And with a new board majority, I think employers can expect a more expansive view of what employee conduct qualifies as being for mutual aid or protection. And the second change I think we can expect to see relates to when employee conduct loses protection under the Act. So during the Obama administration, many employers were surprised by board decisions that found that profane, harassing, and sometimes even racist language used by union members was protected under Section 7. Um, however, during the Trump administration, the board drew a line between protected concerted activity and improper harassing conduct and found that many harassing or profane comments were not protected by the act. But I think we can expect to see a Democratic board take a different approach and, and revert back to the one that was taken by the Obama board. So as a result, um, I think employers should, should probably start thinking about how this expected change to the interpretation of what constitutes protected concerted activity could affect any disciplinary decisions that they ultimately uh, might want to make. Um, and another area that I think will be relevant for both unionized and non-unionized employers is the legality of certain provisions in company handbooks, um, social media policies, work rules, things like that. Um, do you want to take a minute or two to talk about that? Sure, yeah, to uh, set the state on that topic, under the Obama ad administration, the board held that many common workplace policies were un unlawful under the uh, Act. You know, this, this included policies such as those that prohibited employees from engaging in conduct that impeded harmonious interactions uh, and those that prohibited employees from using abusive or threatening language toward anyone on their premises. At the time, the, the, the board held that even if a company workplace rule did not prohibit conduct protected by the act outright, it could still violate the act if employees would reasonably construe the language to prohibit Section 7 activity. And the board found that many common policies violated that standard. Under the Trump administration, the board rejected the reasonably construed approach. Uh, instead, the board aimed to strike a balance between the nature and the extent of the potential impact of the policy on an employee's Section 7 rights uh, and the employee's le legitimate justifications associated with that that rule. Um, and, you know, this was a, this was a more, more lenient standard. So under the, this new rule, the board found that many common employer policies, you know, policies such as pro prohibitions on inappropriate communications, non-disclosure of confidential in, in information, prohibitions on disparaging others via social media, policies like that, the, the, the board found that those were okay under the uh, Act. 
But importantly, there was never a consensus on the proper approach between the board's Republican and, and Democrat members. Um, you know, there was always a Democrat minority on the board over the last couple of, of years that continued to issue strong dissents in, in opposition to this, you know, the board's current uh, approach to, to these kind of cases. And the uh, minority on the board continued to re reiterate their belief that the board's reasonably construed uh, uh, approach, you know, the approach that they had under the o Obama ad administration was the correct one. So I think when the board's ma majority changes later this, this year, you know, we can expect the test to change back. And, and I think, you know, many common employer handbook and other social media policies will be challenged. Yeah, I, I agree. I think employers should really consider planning for these anticipated changes now. Um, to avoid being a test case before the NLRB, they may want to go ahead and review their handbooks, social media policies, and other work rules to make sure that they will um, comport with the expected change in the NLRB's interpretation of the law. Um, I think in particular, employers should pay attention to rules relating to confidentiality, proper employee conduct, um, rules around employees' interactions with third parties in the media, use of company logos and copyrights, taking pictures, recordings in the workplace, um, conflict of interest rules and social media policies. Um, I think a good place to start actually would be the memo that was issued by former NLRB General Counsel uh, Richard Griffin um, in 2015. Um, that was uh, GC memo 15-04. And that set out the board's view on employee handbook provisions during the Obama administration. So although that memo was rescinded in 2018, I think we can expect that the approach that was set out in it will soon become uh, the board's official policy. And I think it's also important to point out that we expect to see increased enforcement of unfair labor practice charges relating to employee terminations or, or discipline for violating workplace rules um, that the NLRB may now find unlawful. So I think, you know, all of these issues certainly give employers a lot to consider moving into the new year. And while there is a lot more that we could talk about on these, these issues, you know, I, don't, I know we don't want to take up too much time here. But I think the main takeaway is that the NLRB's approach is likely to undergo a sea change by the end of the year um, with dramatically different uh, decisions and enforcement priorities as President Biden appoints members who support his pro-union agenda. Agree. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, well, thanks, everyone, for joining us for today's Policy Matters podcast. Uh, we hope you found it, it helpful. Um, your SafeArt team will be back soon with additional Policy Matters content and podcasts. Thanks for joining us today on the Seifarth Policy Matters podcast. So you'll never miss an episode, be sure to visit Seifarth.com where you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. While you're at it, we'd appreciate you sharing us with your colleagues on LinkedIn or your preferred social media.